All right, folks, before we get to the main thing, I want to let you know that this episode of Oil & Gas Upstream is made possible by our good friends at Technip FMC. Now, you probably know them for their subsea business, but did you know that Technip FMC is doing fantastic things for the industry at the surface? The latest innovation is called Emission. And Emission will let you monitor and control vapor pressure in real time. To learn more, visit technipfmc.com. Oil and gas production is the union of natural systems with advanced science and complex engineering. Smart people across the globe create this remarkable place we call Upstream, and each day brings a new challenge. This is the Oil and Gas Upstream podcast, where we look at how these systems come together and learn from the people who make it happen. Welcome to Oil and Gas Upstream. I'm Elena Melkert, your host for Oil and Gas Upstream. Some of you know me as the former director for Oil and Gas Upstream Research at the U.S. Department of Energy. I retired from the DOE a year ago, August, and founded a small consultancy, and that gives me time to do this, and I'm so excited to get started. But before I introduce our guest, I want to thank Technique FMC for sponsoring this podcast. So now I want to introduce you to our guest today, Leslie Malone of MCloud. Leslie, hi. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Elena. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, Leslie was born and raised in Lubbock, Texas, and she's a petroleum engineer. Leslie, tell us something about yourself. Yeah, so uh, since I grew up in Lubbock, I went to Texas Tech and graduated with a petroleum engineering degree, like you mentioned, and I have spent uh, the last 40 years in and out of the oil and gas business, and, and the other business that I was in was staying home and raising some small kids. Wonderful, wonderful. You have... Grown children now or young children now? Or? I do. My kids are all grown up and out of the house and off the payroll. <laughs> great. great. That's a great thing. That's a great thing. So tell us about uh, what you're doing now. So um, I just joined MCloud, which is a really interesting and innovative company in the digital oil field space, but also very successful in some other verticals in energy transition and uh, wind farms. EV charging stations, and uh, building an asset care. So it's really an interesting concept, and we're really bringing some new technology to the, oil, to the upstream oil and gas market. So what are some of those technologies? So one of the technologies that are, is sort of new for the oil and gas upstream would be uh, the ability to monitor the health of your automation equipment. A lot of people in that mentality in oil and gas in the past has been just uh, run it till it breaks. And this is an opportunity to maybe leverage some information that's available so that you can do better planning. And especially with supply chain issues now, you really have an opportunity to maybe make some better and more economic decisions. Wow, that's great. That's great. You know, some of our uh, audience are not petroleum engineers, and they really um, don't understand some of the or don't appreciate how tough it is to to reach your production target. So tell us a little bit something about or tell our listeners something about uh, petroleum engineering and and why why that technology is so important in the day to day operations for uh, oil and gas. Yeah, sure. So, you know, one of the things is that, you know, I really uh, am 
a production engineer as a petroleum engineer. You know, petroleum engineers can be a lot of different things in the oil and gas industry, drilling engineers or completion engineers. But I've always focused on day-to-day production operations. And really what that means is uh, understanding, you know, what your wells can make, uh, what those targets and goals look like. What does it take to get that oil and gas out of the ground? It may take some artificial lift equipment or some special facilities at the surface that are quite complex and uh, costly to operate. Great, great. So talk to us a little bit about artificial lift. Not everyone knows how hard it is to get that oil and gas out of the ground. Yeah, so, you know, uh, sometimes when wells are new and the and the uh, the zone that the, the oil and gas is coming from has a lot of pressure on it, the wells will flow naturally. But sometimes as that pressure declines over time, you need some type of artificial lift to get the fluids out of the well into the surface. So it could be an electric submersible pump, gas lift. Uh, rod pump, plunger lift. There's multiple types of artificial lift. Those are the most common ones that are used in North America right now to move hydrocarbons and water out of the well into the surface. Excellent, excellent. Just to um, contrast that with um, natural lift, I guess is a way to put it. Uh, people, uh, many people don't realize that um, oil and gas or oil is under pressure in the subsurface, in the reservoir. And it's almost like a soda bottle that has been uh, closed up. But, it's, but if you were to shake that bottle and then you would uncap it, then all of the fluid would come rushing out. All the soda would come rushing out. And that's something of what we do in petroleum engineering during drilling and uh, and releasing some of that pressure, that pressure differential, that high pressure in the reservoir and low pressure everywhere else up the stream, allows that oil and gas to come up to the surface. But when that peters out, that's where we have the, the um, artificial lift and different types of artificial lift that Leslie was telling us about. So so that's, and, and you said uh, mCloud is involved in that. So tell us that part again, just to finish the story for, for that part of the learning. Yeah, so one of the things that mCloud can do um, is to take your artificial lift, it doesn't really matter what kind it is, and help with some insights and optimization of that lift. You know, that has to, that involves like known and unknown constraints because sometimes you know, there may be uh, some limitations to your artificial lift. There could be some downhole challenges like sand or paraffin or other Uh, things that cause challenges with artificial lift, or it could be some constraints in the surface facility. So I love your example of the the Coke bottle and the, and the, the carbonization that, you know, when you open the lid, but sometimes when we open the lid, we just barely open it in an oil and gas well, because we want to control that pressure and not just open it completely to the atmosphere, which would maybe result in some uncontrolled flow. So that's a constraint, right, that we have to live with in the oil and gas upstream market. So those are some of the challenges and the types of activities and perhaps calculations that petroleum engineers have to engage in in order to meet those production targets. What are some of the other things that petroleum engineers need to do and how does mCloud help them do that? Yeah, well, you know, a lot of times uh, petroleum engineers have responsibility for a big number of wells. I mean, you know, they could have a responsibility for uh, three to four hundred wells uh, per person. So it's very difficult to look at every single well every single day. And of course, you know, we have uh, production goals or production targets per well, and that might be get, get summed up to a production facility or a production route. 
But uh, besides looking at those things, there's other things to take into consideration because artificial lift does fail and there's workovers that have to be done on the on wells and there's a, a, a procedure that has to be written. There's cost associated with all that work and there's just normal day-to-day -day operating costs for chemicals and all kinds of different pieces of software uh, that an engineer would use to do their daily job. Excellent, excellent. And uh, who else is involved in that part of the upstream with respect to uh, those day-to-day -day operations besides petroleum engineers? I mean, it's not yeah. just one engineer per well or anything like that. No, and so there's a there's a really usually a team of people. So there's probably some uh, production and field staff that it could be chemical specialists, compression specialists, uh, maintenance people. Um, and so there really is a big organization of people in the field to safely get that oil and gas to, to the sales meter. And one of the things that mCloud can do is bring all of those different bits and pieces into a single pane of glass. So we can connect all of your different types of software from uh, artificial lift or uh, nodal models, for example. Uh, we could connect uh, your maintenance schedule. We can connect a uh, list of uh, uh, jobs or maintenance jobs or workovers that you have so that when you're working on a well, all of that information is there for you in one single plane of glass without having to click through a bunch of different softwares. Oh, so you're talking about computer screen. When you're saying pane of glass, you're talking your tablet or your computer screen or even your phone. Are there applications that are that? Absolutely. Right. And, and we have the ability to uh, make it so much easier and bring quicker insights, not only for the production engineer or the petroleum engineer, but also for the field team so that they have the same challenges, a lot of wells to take care of and not as many uh, people. And so you want to use your time with the best added value job, go to the well that's broken, not the one that's producing to target. And so I think that's really a, a, a that's a concept that's really uh, catching on in the oil and gas upstream market these days. Excellent. Excellent. So one of the things I did at the Department of Energy was invest in new technology development. And one of the things that people, you know, many people don't realize is just how environmentally sustainable oil and gas exploration production is, uh, because that's built into these new technologies and new ways that we do things. And by new, I'm talking about from the beginning of oil uh, and gas exploration production in modern times. So, Leslie, this environmental sustainability of oil and gas exploration production and new technologies. Tell us some of the things that uh, mCloud can help or, or petroleum engineers are watching for, just to make sure that our audience realizes that this is on the top of people's minds and has been uh, since we began producing oil and gas. No, I think that's a great question, Elena. You know, really, most operators want to be very... Um, good stewards of the land that they operate on. They don't want to spill. They don't want to have spills. They don't want to have uh, failure, surface failures that might cause, uh, you know, some sort of uh, bad situation to the environment. You know, we don't want to put uh, produced oil or water into any, you know, water uh, areas or anything like that. We don't want to disturb wildlife. And so, you know, I really feel like that most oil and gas companies do are really want to be careful about those things. 
So one of the things that mCloud can help with is uh, some uh, a mobile device, and we also can do some leak detection and leak detection and repair so that that helps companies really get some good handle on their emissions. And, you know, that's a hot topic right now in production. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what about cost? It may cost extra, but talk a little bit about cost of operations with respect to this environmental sustainability. Well, uh, really what the goal would be is to not really make a big difference in your operating costs to be more mindful of your venting, uh, leaks, flaring, uh, those kinds of things, and unexpected upsets that would cause some sort of environmental issue. So we want to be able to to really add value to that. Yeah, yeah. So this whole uh, environmental su- uh, sustainability, um, stewardship, um, detection of leaks, emissions, if you will, um, reducing cost, all of this operational efficiency. Um, what are some of the uh, ways that people can use new technology in ensuring that they've optimized their efficiency with respect to operations, which does yeah, translate so, to cost? Yeah. yeah. So one of the things would be to, um, you know, really be able to make sure that everybody is working on the highest value projects because not every well maybe has the same economic uh, uh, projections or forecasts or reserves. So if you're spending a lot of money on a particular well, but it can't pay out that work, then it's probably not the right. So we want to bring those higher value projects up, up to everyone's attention. And then also in that, in that same vein, uh, to make sure that all of the work that's being done in uh, emissions and ESG really lines up with uh, operational efficiency, safety for uh, workers that actually go to the field. Because one of the most thing- dangerous things that we do in the oil and gas business upstream is send people to the field. And we want to make sure that we're meeting all of that criteria for every company to, uh, you know, just bring all that business insights to the economics of their their wells, their field, and more, and most importantly, their people. Yeah, yeah. So you've been talking, the image in my mind has been about onshore applications, um, but there are probably applications outside of oil and gas and certainly offshore as well. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so we could definitely do the same kind of things for offshore platforms. And matter of fact, it's probably even a little bit easier because their footprint is smaller. You know, in in the Permian Basin, for example, that's a massive area of just of land where wells are. But offshore, they're contained on smaller platforms and then production facilities. So it's really easier to apply our technology to that smaller footprint. And in some cases, the stakes are even higher for leaks, leak detection, emissions because of the, the tightness of the platform and the, the safety of the people you know, on that platform. And then, like you mentioned, we could also do that same kind of technology with carbon capture and sequester. Thermal opportunities are also available. And like I mentioned at the beginning, um, any company that's transitioning to maybe some wind energy or some other new ways to use their uh, stranded gas, we can help with that. Excellent. Excellent. And some of those technologies that you haven't talked about before, what what might some of those be? 
Yeah, so for for wind energy, for example, MCloud has the ability to do the exact same thing uh, with wind in far, as far as predictive analytics. They can do all kinds of um, work on blade pitch, which, you know, most people don't even think that's a thing when you're watching those big wind turbines going around in a circle. But it, it also has the same kind of moving parts. And so there's some artificial intelligence that you can do with the, the with the wind farms that um, is really interesting. And then same thing with uh, building care and EV charging stations so that we can maximize the use of that, but minimize the cost. And we can do some analytics and watch some of that information for the customer to help them do that at the most economic time. Yeah, that's that's really exciting. I was part of the, in fact, I'm still part of it, the Ocean Energy Safety Institute 2.0. It's a program to increase uh, safety offshore. And one of the new the new features of it is that there's a partnership between the Department of Energy and BASI uh, to produce oil and gas, wind, and marine energy uh, co co produce produce it all. And so, being able to optimize the operations of those two things simultaneously on a on a platform, obviously the wind would be attached to the platform. But the point is, the energy that would come from it could uh, could power some of the equipment there um, on the platform. And so, optimizing everything—it's not like one, lopsided, right? One thing is optimized, but the other one is not. So that's very exciting to to couple it those is. two things. No, so, I think that's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, more more to come on that. We'll talk about that later. Um, so with respect to um, your your career path and how you got here, and, you know, I'm a petroleum engineer. When I started, there were not very many petroleum engineers, and it took a long time for them. And even now, I, I know a whole lot more. Uh, but it's always an interesting story about how you got to be a petroleum engineer. I mean, were, did you grow up always dreaming that you would be a petroleum engineer when you grew up? Uh, no, uh, I didn't. I didn't dream that. Uh, I really kind of wanted to be a doctor because uh, I, I did like that. But um, my grandfather worked in, in the oil field in, outside Odessa. And so was introduced to the oil and gas business there. And then uh, when... That this is interesting. When uh, electricity came to uh, the oil field outside Odessa, he he lost his job, and so there's a fear there, right? That you know, what technology brings job loss, and really, that's not what technology is not to replace people. It's to get the people working on the highest value project. And uh, but I I I. So I went into oil and gas. It seemed like the thing to do. Uh, like you, there was not very many women in the oil and gas industry uh, in the in the 1980s, <laughs> and so that's been a little bit of a challenge. Maybe we'll talk about that another day. <laughs> but uh, no, it's been a great it's a great career path. And and actually, because I've spent the majority of my career working for operators, transitioning to a service company has been really fun, more fun than I ever thought. Because I just, instead of just working on one field, get to help people with multiple fields and different basins and different challenges and problems. And, you know, that's what engineers like to do is solve problems. So it's really a good, it's a good fit for me. Absolutely. So where were some of the places that you worked when you were in production? What were some of the places that you worked? Yeah, so I started in um, um, 
Andrews, Texas, with Arco Oil and Gas and did uh, some work in Hobbs, New Mexico as well. So those were the old days of the Permian Basin where we were drilling vertical wells. And then uh, I've also worked in East Texas and I've worked in the Haynesville. I worked for BPX for, for a bit as the engineering manager for the Haynesville asset in Louisiana, which is really, that was a great fun uh, opportunity. And also worked in the Eagleford where uh, Murphy, or worked for Murphy, and we were drilling uh, a bunch of uh, horizontal wells in the Eagleford. And while I was there, worked with some really great people and uh, co-authored an SPE paper about rod pumping in the Eagleford, which is, uh, that was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed that. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you know, petroleum engineers are kind of like doctors, doctors of oil and gas, right? And now as a service provider, um, you're actually diagnosing lots of different kinds of challenges, right? Something like that. Yeah, that's a great analogy. I hadn't thought about that before, but I mean, I guess we're sort of the doctors of the oil and gas business. Uh, we don't want to be the emergency room, though, so <laughs> we want to make sure <laughs> that we provide you the information that you need so that you don't end up in an emergency, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right, right. Maintaining health, optimizing health, um, and uh, maybe getting some extra help when, when you need it, help in a ton, a timely basis. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so what about uh, young people? What would you say to young people about opportunities now? I mean, you've talked a lot of things that you're involved in here, uh, including oil and gas. And so what would you say to young people about uh, becoming petroleum engineers? And oh, I think it's a great industry to join. No doubt, uh, you know, there's some challenges, but oil and gas is going to be here for many, many years. It drives our economy. Uh, we are very fortunate to live in a co country with, with good uh, energy supply. And uh, the, the things that you learn as an engineer, you can apply to these other uh, types of energy. So I think it's a great opportunity. And I would encourage anyone to 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 get into the oil and gas industry. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, um, I think that's absolutely right. I, I've certainly enjoyed all of my time here. It's, I've been in the oil business 40 years. It's the only thing I know. Me too. So that's, that's a great thing. And, um, and your family has grown. Are any of them petroleum engineers? No, I couldn't talk my kids into being engineers. So <laughs> just me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have one and she's a rocket scientist. She's an astronautics engineer. So she looks up and we look down, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Well, are there some other things about um, MCloud perhaps or about um, the oil and gas sector or about petroleum engineering that you'd like to share with our listeners today? I mean, this is a this is a very special time for energy and a very special time for oil and gas. Um, as with all the things that are going out, going on around in the world. So what would you yeah, share? I, I think that um, this is really the time for the oil and gas industry to really get focused on the uh, digital transformation. There's been some reluctance in the past in the oil and gas industry to, to digital oil field. But I think the pressures of uh, a younger workforce maybe a less experienced workforce uh, and, and also just supply chain issues and operating costs, it, it becomes and behooves uh, oil and gas producers to really get smart with optimization, with digitization and, and bringing um, what that 
what that brings to the table. And other industries know what that is for them. You know, the, the downstream market has been very um, ahead of the upstream market, I would say, in in uh, oil and gas digitization. And so I think it's the, I think the time is now and everybody is starting to, to really get on board with that. Yeah, yeah. So is it fair to ask, like, what percentage of the oil field, U.S. oil field is um, digitized? Or, uh, uh, I think a lot of it has what some people would consider digitization because now with um, uh, more onshore power available and uh, more cell towers and things like that, then you can bring back data from end devices, from controllers, from RTUs back into the office. And some people think that's, that, that is a base step of digitization. And I would say, just this is my guess, 90% of people are there in that base step. Now we just need to get that 90% to take the next step and really begin to uh, manage by exception, optimize their opportunities, and use the, the technology that's out there to really improve their operation efficiency and really probably even their bottom line. And as people would take that next step, how soon could they expect to re- to see results or to, to see the difference between what they used to do, how they used to do it, and how they're doing it now? Is it something that happens right away? Or? Yeah, I think it can happen really quickly. It 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 just really is a matter of uh, taking the the base that they have and just stepping it up. It's almost like when you go from a, a rotary phone to a cell phone, and and you're like, oh, I don't ever want to go to a rotary phone again. So once you see what that technology can bring to the table for you, and how it can help your operations, really uh, bring some insights and maybe some things that you didn't even know. Like, for example, uh, maybe you think your downtime of all of your assets is X, but when you bring some insights and really get connected into that, it may be more than you think. And so there's some hidden opportunities that technology can bring. Oh, that's that's very exciting. Yeah, uh, knowing what you don't know, <laughs> I think is, <laughs> is key to success in any arena. Oh, um, for sure. Absolutely. So, so I'm like, I'm one of those people. I'm not a technology. I mean, I don't like computers. I mean, I don't like uh, toys, computer toys. I mean, I like natural things, more more uh, traditional things. Um, but when the first cell, the iPhone came out, it had all those great apps on it. That was the first technology I wanted because it was so much fun stuff to do. And then I found that I needed it. And so you're absolutely right. You know, when, once you get exposed to some of the things that are possible, uh, then it, it actually opens up and changes your thinking. And, and now I, now I'm more excited about things. I'm still more of a traditional person, but, um, definitely have crossed through that threshold uh, just because of that uh, fun, the fun element or the new element or the novel uh, innovations of, of those elements. Great. Exactly. Great. Yeah. yeah, we get, and then we, then we like it and then we can't figure out how to live without it. And I think that'll, that'll happen in the oil and gas industry too. And, and the good thing about that is even as assets change hands and people uh, do mergers and acquisitions, that technology can go with you. You don't have to just throw it out, right? Because it grows and changes and, and just like iPhone does an update uh, all the time, that technology for the oil and gas industry is, is all the time under uh, a constant improvement. 
and 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 based on you know feedback from customers what's working for you what's not what do you need and i think that's really a, a great conversation yeah yeah great well leslie we're almost at time so i'm wondering if you have any last thoughts you'd like to share with everyone well, Elena, thanks so much for your for your time today. I had a great time. And of course, you know, if anybody has any questions or, you know, feel free to reach out to me. But I really appreciate the conversation today. Absolutely. Can we put some contacts uh, in the show notes about Cloud and your work? Okay, we'll go ahead and, yeah. and take care of that. We'll add that. That would be great. Get there. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Leslie Malone, MCloud, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate this conversation. I learned a lot and I look forward to talking with you another time. Sounds great. Very good. All right. Well, that takes care of us for today for Oil & Gas Upstream. Leslie Malone from MCloud. Thanks again. Join us again next week on the Oil & Gas Upstream podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.